Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Minds Like Minefields. Hot like hot sauce. Do you think this song was initially uh, titled Mimes Like Minefields and it was just in... uh, like a three minute track with no sound. Yeah, it was four minutes and 33 seconds long. I mean, you know, John Cage is ripping off the great Marcel Marceau, uh, who released the greatest novelty record of all time. Uh, I believe it's, uh, it's either the best of Marcel Marceau or Marcel Marceau's greatest hits. And if you don't know, he's a mime. Um, so it's uh, one side of a record, and you put it on, it's 20 minutes of silence, followed by rapturous applause. <laughs> Um, if you see it out in the world, buy it though. It's now like a hundred dollar LP. So that's, uh, that's a little piece of trivia for you. Of course it's a hundred dollars. It's like a goddamn Glockamora record. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week it's a song that was chosen by our Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. Thank you for the pick, my friends. Uh, wasn't expecting this one to win, but, you know, I'm glad you took it here. Well, I tell you what, that poll pool has been worn so thin. and That's not the song we're talking about. I mean, no, we're not talking about... Wait for the blackout. Mm-hmm. But I will have your neck if I, I'm sorry, I fell apart. But um, anyway, yeah, let's, Patreon. Let's... It's it's awesome. You you can vote on the songs that we talk about. Not every week, but some a weeks. few weeks, a few weeks. And they picked one of the most recent Alkaline Trio songs for us to talk about. One of the newest. One of the newest from. 2020s ep and this is this is a release that you know when we started doing this podcast the band got back together and they said you know what we love these guys they talk shit about us sometimes but we love them so much let's give them a whole new lp and then they're sitting in the studio too and i think it was dan was like you know this david guy really talks about how he'd rather so many of our latest LPs just be EPs. Mm -hmm. We should definitely do one of those, too. And they did. And that was kind of them. It was very kind of them. It's like my friends over at the Nimrods podcast, uh, last week was their their grand finale, and then uh, this week, Green Day announced they're releasing a new song because they love the podcast so much that they uh, just, you know, had to keep it going for them. So that's very nice. It's, it's <laughs> nice that the bands really work to their core demo. Um, and I appreciate it, honestly. I love to be pandered to this directly. I think you're great, David. Oh, thank you. Um, this song, we... When this EP came out, we did a little Patreon up, as our supporters know. Just kind of first initial thoughts and feelings about it. Um, Much like we did with Is This Thing Cursed? Because I think, you know, given the premise, I don't want to immediately launch into, like, it's it's too fresh, it's too new. You know, I don't want to go on the record like that with this. 
So we went on the record with a, this is how we're feeling right now, on the record, but not for the record. Not well, for the record, but not the definitive record. This and is now like, we are. Yeah, this is like for the cassette tape. Like you mm-hmm. can record over it. Even if we flip the tabs, you just put a little tape over it. And that's what we did. That's what we're doing. We're putting a little tape over it. A little bit of tape. Um, And, you know, when I heard this EP, I enjoyed this song quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would still say enjoy it, but I think there are definitely things about it that I don't love. And they are apparent from the start. (laughs) Does it start with a whoa-oh? Yeah, that's really the big part of it. Um, And I'm not anti-whoa generally. I think they can be done well. They can be very fun and and, and necessary. But it really, on this song, revisiting it recently, I was like, yeah, that just, they did not know how to begin, Uh (laughs) is really what I take from that. Yeah. I mean, I think it is a little... It's a little strange. It's a strange choice. And what what happens for me very quickly is that all right, we're done we're done with the woes. That's cool. And I just immediately and so immediately that I don't even know if it's real at this point or if it's just never going to go back, but my mind immediately is just like calling all skeletons. It feels exactly like Calling all skeletons, like down to the band pun mm-hmm. in the first verse. Uh, well, yeah, I was gonna get there, but please continue. But what happens after the verse is you get a chorus that feels very like dead end road. This is like it just picks up in pace and sort of has a feel that's reminiscent of like a pre maybe i'll catch fire alkaline trio and i think that this song ends up being like kind of a couple different phases of the band just sort of cut and pasted on top of each other yeah i mean for me i think the cover which i kind of like it it once kind of evokes the maybe i'll catch fire thing but it's really just like what if the american football house got dressed up for halloween um and then went as a mod yeah and then the the start of the song is like you know alkaline trio they have woes but we're never like a woe band you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like like the big complaint a lot of people have about woe bands is that like that's just always the chorus that's just always the hook and it's kind of a cheap trick but not like the band cheap trick um hello there ladies and gentlemen and i don't fully agree with that but it's one of those things where it's like to me, this feels so much like a one-man army split song to me, which you brought up, in part because of the woes just make me feel like how they have them at the end of the song and Jeff Pizzotti from Naked Ray Gun doing his woes. And it's just like, okay, well, that's mm-hmm. here. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of how this feels to me. And I think, <clears throat> you know, a lot of the pace of it is, I mean, I think the one thing we need to talk about is that this was the, you know, not only the newest Alkaline Trio release, uh coming out in 2020, the year of our Lord. But it was also the first release in forever that had a new drummer, uh, a little Mr. Tony Barsotti, uh, who plays on these three songs. Well, really two songs, because one's acoustic. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And my initial thought is, you know, in that verse part, I'm like, well, this dude's like doing two things. He's trying to um, be Derek, which is ultimately a plus, (laughs) but Uh he's also playing like he really wants this job. Um, And I feel like the choruses kind of lose it. I feel like he, he falls into the kind of standard punk beat a little more than I like, where it's like when... Glenn would play fast, or Mike would play fast. No, he rarely did. And and Derek plays fast. There's a little more swing to it, and I just kind of mm-hmm. don't get that here. Um, and, you know, Derek's back, so I would like to see this with him playing it. I think it might feel a little better. Um, if they yeah. ever even play this fucking song live, who's to say? Uh, but, yeah, I feel like it kind of has these moments where it's, you know, the, the calling all skeletons is a good comp because that suicidal tendencies reference is like, I, it always feels so plain as day when he does it to me. And maybe it's just because of what uh-huh. I know, but like that war brain, like, and I don't mind it, um, but I'm always just like, I, I guess war brain's the one where I actually understand it. But with like these, it's a little more like, huh? Like, okay. What do you, I, I lost... Yeah, a little bit on your antecedents there. Well, basically, what... like, on Warbrain, I understand, you know, when he puts in trusty chords, it just feels mm, like that mm-hmm. fits into the thing. Right. Um, Night on Earth, a little less so. On, mm-hmm. you know, when he does double nickels on your dime, like, you know, that's definitely a wink and a nod. But I think in the context of the song, it's like, okay, like, he's doing a lot of wordplay. This is like a almost him doing like a major label Mr. Chainsaw bit. Yeah, sure. But this one is just like, why is this here? Like, uh-huh. you're just <laughs> putting stuff in to put stuff in. And that always feels a little weird. That being said, I don't, like, hate the bulk of the lyrics. It's just, like, a weird thing to be there. It is It's. It is a little weird, and it's a weird, like, I think, placement in just the, you know, songwriters, especially ones with, a large output will have a tendency to repeat themselves and to have basically like an overly punny reference in pretty much the exact same spot mm-hmm. as you do on another song. It's like, okay, th- this isn't like you do a descending walk down like you always do. This is like such a fucking <laughs> small little thing that you shouldn't do it again. But I digress. Yeah. I think that the lyrics here are pretty good. I think that the song is one of those that's like more about vibe than it is about actually being about anything. Yeah. I mean, so I've been kind of curious about it because there was a, as we know, Matt Skiba is a notoriously erratic poster on the internet. Uh-huh. And I believe there was a period a few months ago where he was posting, it was him wearing the suicidal tendencies hat. And then posting about, like, a friend of his who he knew in high school who wore it all the time, who committed suicide and whatever. Mm. And there's a little bit of that in this song where, like, there's kind of this sense of, you know, someone struggling with something, maybe, you know, maybe dying. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll give him that, like, if it, but again, if it wasn't for me seeing those posts and taking that story at face value... I definitely wouldn't think that um, because it's sure. it's pretty general and it's pretty wordplay focused. Like it's, you know, 
it's not the worst offender of that. I don't think it's particularly bad, but there is a lot of just like, well, he's kind of finding this idea of minds like minefields and playing off that and doing a lot yeah, of alliterative, yeah, yeah. like, you know, disarm, disray, like this type of shit where like he's, he's kind of just like finding a word and then spinning off a line that features a similar word, you know, um, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah. I'm glad that you pointed that out. Cause I feel like I, should check myself just on as you're saying that I'm looking at it and that is a little bit more apparent than I took it for at face value. So I feel like I should step back a little bit, although it does like, I feel like with just the way that the song presents itself and with like the punniness of the lyrics, it is for me, it was a lot easier to just like sort of, take it all in as one and not yeah read too deeply but um yeah tony barsotti uh the the drummer of everyone's favorite band hagfish <laughs> yeah that's what i was I'm, I'm sure people at home were saying wait a minute hold on tony barsotti of hagfish it's so funny because that band i've I remember trying to listen to them once and they're kind of only uh, tangentially famous because their guitar player, a guy named Zach Blair, uh, was in Gwar and then joined a little band called Rise Against. Um, uh-huh. So Hagfish's claim to fame is just that it's kind of a point zero for that. And from my understanding, I, you know, their aesthetic never did it for me. I think they all played in suits. Uh one of their album covers is a topless woman in boxing gloves throwing a punch. Um, I, one of the records is called Hagfish Rocks Your Lame Ass. Um, not really what I would call music for me, personally. Um, well, I feel like this is a band that could tour with the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Oh, that's just... Uh, those are plaid suits, my friend. Don't, uh, don't besmirch the name. Um... And I think their biggest release was on Honest Don's, which was like the the Fat Records like imprint that was like it's kind of Fat Records, but not really. Like you're not big enough to be on Fat, so oh, you know, interesting. That's uh, that's the Hagfish story in you know a minute. Uh, and I was I was kind of curious because like during this period of time, they were touring with uh, Jared Alexander. I would have assumed he would have been uh, the drummer on the CP. He was not. Uh, yeah. Maybe in part because uh, another band he was in was planning to reunite, and that obviously got put on pause. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think ultimately on both the songs on the CP, he's fine. There's a, there's moments where I'm not super stoked on it. I think he's a fine enough player, but it definitely is just like, on both this and Radio Violence, all I can think is these songs would have been better with Derek. Totally. Now, I'm wondering if you have any insight into why, of all people, it's this guy playing drums. Fantastic question. Um, I don't have insight into that, and it's one of those things where it's like, he doesn't have like an extensive Discogs profile. It's kind of like Hagfish and then nothing for 23 mm-hmm. years and then mm-hmm. Alkaline Trio. So it's like, 
how on earth did that happen? Um, and, you know, I believe they recorded this in L.A., and from what I can tell, it looks like he lives in Texas, so it's not even like he was, like, a local pick. Um, yeah. So I'm really curious how that came together. Maybe it was just a one-off recommendation or friends of friends, but, like, in terms of, like, this person having done a body of work that would make sense, or, like, in the case of, like, Mike Falumley, where, hey, we really like the Smoking Popes, let's do that um yeah it just doesn't it just doesn't really track and it's not someone where like i feel like a lot of times when bands replace a member they try to go one of two ways get someone really young who's like Mm -hmm. excited bring some life to the band or get like another big name where people are like whoa this guy played for fucking bad religion now he's an avenge sevenfold which is a thing (laughs) um but this is neither of those so yeah and I think that there might be more thought put into it if this wasn't just two songs for three song EP. Yeah. Um, my thought was that this might be someone who Cameron Webb, the producer, was familiar with. Maybe. Because he's, he's an Aquabats dude. Mm-hmm. So, or at least he, um, I know he, he did like all the music production on Yo Gabba Gabba and mm. has done a lot of Aquabats records. So I don't, knowing very little about Hagfish, just looking at some of those record covers, I feel like this band could have toured with the Aquabats at some point. I mean, it would be very funny if it's like, you know, the the great revolving door of like the Blink-182 Alkaline Trio universe where it's like, Aquabats drummer goes to Blink-182. Aquabats drummer goes to Alkaline Trio. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really know. It's it's interesting in just that, like, you know, I know this was going to be coming out on their Bad Religion tour, that big co-headliner, which, like, was going to be pretty big. That shit sold out pretty quickly, basically everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it, it was giving me a lot of thought about, like, how Alkaline Trio is kind of now getting to that point where, like, you know, I don't want to say they're bad religion level, who are definitely a more popular band, mm-hmm. but like they could conceivably do tours like that. You know, do one a year, where it's like we're going to do a month with another like legacy act kind of co-headline, and that's all we need to do. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> and I don't necessarily think that's a bad look for a band that's not as you know they aren't their most active, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, like how that came together is really interesting. And it's also really interesting because, you know, as we alluded to, like the first half of the song, I think is, I don't know, it doesn't connect for me as much as I would like or as much as I initially felt when I first heard it. But from basically a minute and a half to the end, I'm into it. I'm like, oh, it's really there. Fun. Yeah, it does. It does pick up like I I don't like fully sign on. Um like you said too with the with that chorus it's just like it goes a little too quick it's like he picks up the pace but you know should be going at like 80 when he's going at 100 yeah i mean that's the thing it's like it's the right idea because Mm -hmm. what i will say is i think matt's kind of like more pulled back slower vocal delivery on the chorus pretty cool yeah definitely but it does and i think like Go ahead. It does feel like he's dragging, he's being dragged behind the drums a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the way the vocals sit in the mix 
in comparison to a song like Dead End Road, where he really like loses it mm-hmm. in the chorus, being on top and be, that like gives him the ability to pull back a little bit, and it's a really cool effect, one that like doesn't doesn't get there quite as well when it's a little bit of a scrappier recording. Yeah, but fucking, I would love to just watch the building process for this bridge yeah just the way it falls apart is so fucking cool and also like silly it's straight up silly yeah i mean that's the thing is i know people who do not like this song because they're like this is garbage like what is happening here mm-hmm. um but i like it and what i like about it is i feel like dan's bass is very subtle and present in the first part mm-hmm. of the song kind of pokes out in some nice spots and I feel like that really happens here where it's just like, it's almost like Matt and Dan kind of dueling one another for a brief moment. And I'm like, hmm, that's a vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I what I really dig about it is that it recalls what I think like they wanted to do on some material but never really committed to. And like, you know, I, I would say Crimson Nails, the kind of like, we're going to do some weird shit on top of what we do. But after that, Mm -hmm. it's very much just like, we're going to place keys on top or sound effects or whatever. And this is like, okay, well, right to it, right to the weird thing you want to do. And what really jumps out is I'm like, man, like this just does not feel like a thing Matt would do ever. And it kind of recalls what I felt hearing Blackbird for the first time, where I feel like similarly, he's he's throwing a lot of chords in there. He's throwing a lot of like kind of chords that I think hit a little weird. And yeah, I'm like, oh, it's cool that you're like trying that now, 20 some years in uh, after not doing it for a long time. Do you think he actually did it or do you think do you think Webb's just like, here, I'll let me let me throw a layer on there. You know, I I'm gonna I I'm gonna say that I think Matt did it. I'm gonna say that I think he uh, I think he put some weirdness in there, and I think part of that is just comparing this to Dan's two songs on this Grand One that had been kicking around for twenty years. Mm-hmm. I think he was just in a different vibe, and I think Dan's really good at like being able to get back in that space when presented with that material, but I don't think he's like bringing that to the fore as mm-hmm. much anymore. Um, so yeah, I mean, regardless of what, it, like, it pays. It also pays off that chorus at the end when they go back into yeah. it. I'm like, I like it more this time than I liked it either of the times before. Um, which is an interesting trick because, you know, if this song was just kind of three and a half minutes, by the first minute and a half, you've kind of already hit through what's there, you know? Mm-hmm. And if they were to just repeat it again, uh, the, the song, I, I wouldn't really have much good to say about it. Yeah, I agree. What do you rate it? That's a tough question, but I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a three. I want to give it a three and a half for that end part, but I th- I want a better version of it before that comes in. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a two and a half. It's got a very good high point. The rest of it is like a little, just a little off. Yeah. And it makes you, makes you really, really aware 
of what's different. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Or in the case of us, we did, but maybe the band did not. (laughs) I just want to point out, before we draw to a close here, that Cameron Webb, amongst his many, many credits, produced The King of Kings, as recorded by Motorhead, one of Triple H's many iconic entrance musics. I mean, uh, credit where it's due. Uh, song's a ripper. Uh, and Boom! Behold the king! You know, gotta give it up for Lemmy. If you've not heard it, uh, here's, here's a little uh, weird Lemmy-based fact for everybody. Uh, there's a band that um, I believe the claim to fame, or, or what the narrative was at the time, uh, his Lemmy's girlfriend... It was in a band called Oral. They put out a, a 12-inch EP called Oral Sex uh, in the mid-80s. Recently been reissued. Uh, give it a listen. Kind of fascinating. Falls somewhere between like Motorhead and Discharge. Um, if you've not heard it, uh, that just got reissued. And there's your weird uh, Lemmy-based recommendation for the day. This is why they come. This is why they come to As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week, we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, we also talked about a band called Oral. Mm-hmm. And a release called Sex. Is it called Oral Sex or is it just called Sex? And you say, you see Oral Sex. I I don't know. I, I wasn't around then. I think it was maybe called Sex, but I've seen it listed both ways. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? Who cares? Rate and subscribe. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. You can throw us a few bucks a month to help us keep doing like we do. Either way, we will be back next week and we look forward to it. We'll see you then. Thank you, friends. Thank you, friends.